Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. This is The Takeaway. I'm Todd Zwillick. It's good to have you with us today. Under my administration, we will always defend the very first right in the Declaration of Independence, and that is the right to life. It's President Donald Trump there speaking on Friday from the Rose Garden in the White House, addressing participants in Friday's March for Life in Washington, D.C. The march takes place every year around the anniversary of the Roe versus Wade decision that legalized abortion in all 50 states. And today marks 45 years since that ruling. The Supreme Court today handed down a historic decision on abortion. The court said in a 7-2 decision that in the first three months of pregnancy, only the woman and her physician may decide whether she may have an abortion. In the second three months, all the state may do is regulate abortion procedures. And only in the final three months of pregnancy can the state forbid abortion. The court ruled in cases from Texas and Georgia, but all 50 states are effective, whatever their laws. January 1973, the decision fell on a divided nation with abortion rights advocates rejoicing and even a little surprised. It's very hard to believe that the men on the Supreme Court could have this much of a sense of what is really happening in abortion. You know, it's, it's, I mean, so many of the things that uh, the government or the legislature or even departments of health do is so unrelated to the practice of abortion, and this is so specifically related to the practice of abortion that that, that blows my mind. Now, on the other side of the issue, anti-abortion rights advocates vowed to fight the ruling. Whatever their legal rationale, seven men have made a tragic utilitarian judgment regarding who shall live and who shall die. In spite of this horrifying decision, the American people must rededicate themselves to the protection of the sacredness of all human life. This week, we're going to take some time to look at the legal and shifting political issues at the heart of abortion and its place at the center of American political life. But first, a look back at what life was like for women who sought abortion before Roe versus Wade. Abortion was illegal in 30 states before 1973. Still, millions of women got the procedure, and some, in desperation, did so under dangerous circumstances. I had that abortion when I was 18. It was a man I didn't love, and I, ju- I just, he loved me, and he wanted to marry me, and I had left home, actually been kicked out. Of course, I came up pregnant. That's Barbara S., who shared her story with the Abortion Diary podcast. Barbara had an abortion in the mid-1950s in Oklahoma. There were doctors in Oklahoma who would perform illegal abortions, but it had to be done secretly, and it came with great risks to both the physicians who faced prosecution and the women who risked injury and abuse. And I asked my girlfriend if she could help me. And she gave me the number of a a guy who did abortions. I didn't know anything about him. Back then, you didn't. You just took your chance. And so he told me that uh, where to come. And I went to a house up in the uh, the northern part of Tulsa. And um, I walked up to this house that had the screen door was falling off. And uh, I knocked on the door, and this guy came to the door that I didn't know if he was a a fry cook, a doctor, or a plumber. I didn't know 
what he was or what he did. I just had a problem I had to get rid of because I was not going to live my life like my mother did. I followed him into the kitchen and climbed up on the, on the uh, table. And he examined me and said that I was two months pregnant and that it would be $200. Well, I was just a typist. I didn't have a whole lot of money, and uh, I certainly didn't have $200. So I left there crying, uh, but I just was thankful I hadn't been raped because a lot of these guys raped women whenever they did this. Barbara, though, was still desperate to terminate her pregnancy, and she sought a different path. So I went back home and talked to my girlfriend, and she somehow got some some uh, pills for me to take. And I took them, and I thought I had killed myself because I never had such pain in my life. It was horrible. It just kept aching and aching, but I didn't uh, have any bleeding. Nothing came through. Finally, the, the pain died down after by the next morning, and I was able to go to work, but... In about four or five days, finally, I started having uh, blood clots that came through. But they were just blood clots, like having a heavy period. Barbara was still unable to terminate her pregnancy. She was in great pain. And finally, she went to see a regular doctor. And uh, he said, you need to get over to the hospital. I went to the hospital, and uh, they pushed me down the hallway to the uh, operating room. And on my chest, they had put a sign that said incomplete abortion. This was a Catholic hospital, by the way. They operated on me and saved my life because the doctor said if I had not gone then, if I'd waited 24 hours, I would have been dead. 20 years after Barbara's experience, when the Supreme Court ruled to legalize abortion in the Roe versus Wade decision, it was in part meant to help millions of women like Barbara have access to the procedure safely in medical settings like hospitals and clinics. Today, Roe versus Wade is still the law of the land, but it's been significantly rolled back. We've had 401 abortion restrictions enacted since January 2011. That's about one-third of the number of abortion restrictions enacted since Roe was decided in January 1973. Elizabeth Nash is Senior State Issues Manager at the Guttmacher Institute. They're a research organization that advocates for reproductive health rights and policy in the United States. The rollbacks, she says, have made it much more difficult for women, particularly in the Midwest and the South, to access legal abortion. The kinds of restrictions that we're talking about adding are restrictions on abortion later in pregnancy, extending waiting periods from, say, 24 hours to 72 hours, making it harder to use abortion coverage in your health plans. In fact, some states have eliminated that option. And in some states, these new restrictions have resulted in clinics closing. And so then you're talking about also much more limited access for services. Well, across the country, overall, abortion rates are at a record low. What does that tell you? The abortion rate has been declining since 1980. Between 2008 and 2011, we were able to find that the unintended pregnancy rate was declining. And that is in part a reason why you would see fewer abortions. But also we were seeing abortion patients and women in general using contraception, and particularly what we call long-acting methods like IUDs. That's one factor in why you're seeing a reduced abortion rate. And as we went into 2011, 12, and 13, and 14, there's no reason to think that all of that stopped. We 
continue to think that there are um, reasons people were continuing to use contraception and, and long-acting methods. But also, as you were getting into the 2011-2012 range, you did start to see abortion clinics close in some states at a fairly rapid clip. And what means for those states is that you've really reduced a access to abortion. So the abortion rate going down in part could be news around unintended pregnancy rates going down and access to contraception, but in other places it means limiting access to abortion itself. Well, as we look ahead to 2018, Elizabeth Nash, uh, what states do you have your eye on? What legislatures or, or even lawsuits that might be coming up through the states that could have real national implications for access to abortion? What we were seeing in around 2011 was that a number of state legislatures had shifted much further to the right, along with some governorships. And we saw that similarly happen in 2016 in Iowa and Kentucky. And in both of these states, we've started to see more abortion restrictions move through those state legislatures. So I would expect to see more on abortion restrictions in Iowa and Kentucky um, particularly since both of those governors are very socially conservative and uh, not supportive at all of abortion rights. As far as court cases, well, there are dozens of court cases challenging abortion restrictions. But I did kind of want to highlight a couple. One is that we've seen states adopt restrictions to ban a method used after 12 weeks of pregnancy. And we've seen eight states enact these bans, and six have been challenged. The idea here is that this method is safe. It is the method used in the second trimester. And if you ban it, then you're really banning access to abortion after 14, 15 weeks. But I also wanted to highlight two challenges, one in Maine and one to into the federal regulation of medication abortion. And the one in Maine is about challenging the state's decades-long physician-only law. And this law limits abortion provision to physicians and prohibits physician assistants or certified nurse midwives or advanced practice nurses from performing abortions. And there's lots of data to show that these kinds of advanced practice clinicians um, when trained, provide equivalent services on abortion as to physicians. That would be a case to keep your eye on. Um, also, another case challenges the FDA, so the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's rules around medication abortion. And right now, a woman cannot go into a pharmacy and pick up a prescription for medication abortion. She has to go to a, a specific provider who is registered with the drug's manufacturer. This kind of barrier really limits access to medication abortion. And so there's a case coming out of Hawaii where those restrictions are being challenged. And that case was also filed in 2017. So watch for that one to move its way through the system. That one could really reshape access to medication abortion and make it much easier for women to use that method. And Elizabeth, as we watch the states and the courts, you know, later we're going to be talking about potential challenges to Roe versus Wade in the Supreme Court if one should ever come. And a lot of people would like to bring a case like that to try to overturn Roe. Is there a state or a case or an area of abortion restriction that you're looking at that could potentially become a challenge in the Supreme Court eventually? We could be looking at these bans on the abortion method after 12 weeks. Um, that method is called D&E in shorthand. That could wind its way up. But what we're seeing in state legislatures right now is particularly in the states where a number of abortion restrictions have been enacted. 
are, are bills being introduced that would completely ban abortion. So not just at a waiting period or limit abortion coverage in your health plan, but ban abortion. And the point of these bills is really to instigate that challenge to Roe. And you're saying that those states might be the places where opponents of abortion try to plant the seeds of a ban that they hope can grow into a case in front of the Supreme Court. Exactly. With the the composition of the Supreme Court as it stands, we still have the five votes that support abortion rights. But that could change, right? People are constantly looking at the tea leaves to see what's going on with the Supreme Court and who's going to be on it next session and who could potentially be a new member of the Supreme Court. And as we go in further into the current uh, administration, we may see one of these five retire. And so what will happen then on abortion rights? And at the state level, what that means is Social conservatives want to push through an abortion ban so that when the Supreme Court moves further to the right, the court case will be primed. Elizabeth Nash, Senior State Issues Manager at the Guttmacher Institute. Thanks for coming back, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. More on the state of abortion politics and policy. Tomorrow we hear from an anti-abortion rights activist about the fight to overturn Roe and what the future might hold in the Supreme Court. The decision set us on a course of being uh, one of four nations that allows abortion for any reason after fetal viability, ranked with China, North Korea, and Canada. And it set us on an extreme course that is out of sync with public opinion. The decision should be overturned and returned to the American people so the people can decide the issue state by state. That's tomorrow on The Takeaway.